0: Burrow fires downfield to Jamar Chase. He's got it. Wow. Takes it all the
1: way. DJ Moore has a pass to the end zone. Jonathan Taylor touchdown. Pass is caught. Next. touchdown. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Road of Biz Overtime on Road of Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. I am Colin Kelly, and I'm joined as always. By Sean Siegel, my co-host here on the show, and this is a bonus edition of Rotoviz Overtime. We've got a lot of listeners submitted questions over the last week to two weeks, and sometimes we're like, we'll spread this out, but we're planning to do some drafts, and we're planning other bonus content, so I thought, let's get these out. We had the show on Saturday that we went through some trade options, and it worked out that then the content we're going to go through today is rosters that have been submitted, by people over the last week or two and we're going to kind of rate and review those rosters some of them are dynasty rosters some of them are best ball rosters and i'm looking forward to, to jumping in and diving in to this but worked out nice uh, the, the symmetry of when the questions come in just fitted it in to do a bonus show so myself and sean thought why not let's let's jump on and do this so looking forward sean to reviewing these sometimes people say that we're too nice when we review them so maybe we'll have to maybe we'll have to put on our mean hats today
0: well we'll
2: just try and be honest and it's tricky on all of these because I think that regardless of how long you've worked in fantasy or how strong your research is or how good your results have been in big contests it's just still important to be humble with how you're approaching this and know that you're not going to be right about everything and you know sometimes listeners or readers if you do evaluate a draft one of the things i definitely try not to do is just like rank the teams and say okay these teams are going to finish last because inevitably those teams are going to come out and win and then they're going to feel even more vindicated because of some of those content comments yeah i did the mfl ten of death recently that was an absolute blast we have Mike Beers as the defending champion, not surprisingly. Pat Thorman put that together. Uh, such a fantastic league. I chat with Scott Barrett from time to time and exchange some, some fun back and forth about teams we're drafting and, and all that kind of thing. And he mentioned to me as we were kind of going back and forth on a few things in that draft that I had mentioned his selection of Ezekiel Elliott as controversial. And he was saying that he thought that he was the safest pick in the draft because Elliot's going to be healthy. Prescott's going to be healthy. The volume will be there. Last year, the Cowboys didn't use Tony Pollard, even when they should have, you know, why would they use him if Elliot's actually healthy, right? That so this projection of more work for Pollard, maybe wishful thinking, obviously had the potential with the Cowboys that they could go down and have so many touches from the one and two yard line that Elliot has a, a 20 touchdown season. So you're going to have a lot of different perspectives on some of these players, even high-profile players, players who are being drafted in those early rounds. Obviously, Elliot's ADP is not quite at the level that he went in the MFL 10 of death. He's someone where if you're on Elliott, then you should be selecting him at the same rate that I'm selecting someone like a J.K. Dobbins. And Dobbins, probably a, a much wider range of outcomes, I would say, although Elliott does have this situation where Similar to what we saw with Todd Gurley and Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson. When you have that kind of production in your past, to say that a guy who was still you know, in his mid-20s and potentially healthy again, that he couldn't go out and do that, that's, I think, a hard statement to make. Now, in each of those three cases, the players turned out to not be who they once were. Elliot might be a little bit closer. He might be in an even better environmental context for scoring i mean those three guys had some things going for them which is the reason that they were huge disappointments from a win rate perspective uh, even for multiple seasons because drafters like we've seen it before it's worth the risk because you just don't get that many points from that there just aren't players like that (laughs) once you get out of the first couple of picks you know if you're going to get a chance to take someone at the 110 or at the two hundred five. Or in Elliott's case, I mean, in some formats you're getting him in the fourth or fifth round, and so that's one of the things that makes this fun. But we definitely will jump in here, and if there are things we think that these drafters could have done with their rosters to make them better, you know, make those suggestions.
1: <laughs> we'll see how we'll see how mean we get. But the first one does come in, and uh, I really enjoyed this one when I received the email because it's writ My First basketball Roster" was the the title. Off it, it comes in from Ian Lawler. He says, Hi, Column. Just want to drop you a line thanking you and Sean for the excellent content. He said, I've never done a best ball draft before, but after listening to Overtime for the last year, I finally decided to try it out. I just did my first draft for the Best Ball Mania Tree over at Underdog. And he said, Here's the squad. How does he do? So I thought that was awesome. People listening in, dipping their toes in, and, and you know, I think that's unbelievable. Love getting comments like that the other thing that i loved is he said thanks again big fan of the show and he said have a good one so i always love when people uh, add in that have a good one line that i tend to add at the end of the the show and that brings me on to something that happened over the last couple of days on social media where people listening into and bananas have given themselves the name the banana boys so uh, we'll see if that catches on too but i always love what you know the community of people listening to the shows come up with and uh, it gives me a laugh um, and I, I really enjoy those interactions so Ian has sent in his team here I'll run through it and we'll get Sean's thoughts first and then I'll come back with it so we have quarterbacks of Tom Brady and Dak Prescott then we have running backs of Jonathan Taylor, Brees Halls, Brees Hall sorry Ronald Jones, uh, Terry and Davis Price, Raheem Mostert and then we have T Higgins, AJ Brown, Chris Godwin, Tyler Lockett, Sky Moore, Robert Woods, Jalen Tolbert, Julio Jones and one Thornton. And then a tight end, we have Mike Goseki and Gerald Everett. So one of Sean's other favorite late round players, I think, there, especially at the tight end position, and Gerald Everett. But Sean, looking at that, we don't have the exact draft board, but it looks like two quarterbacks in the window. And then we have Jonathan Taylor starting things off. Do dip back in to get Brees Hall, but then we do hold off and wait on running back after that all the way to Ronald Jones. Then we get Davis Price and Mostert. A little bit later holding off at five running backs in this and then we have t higgins and aj brown in that two tree turn one player that i'm interested in your thoughts as well is chris godwin it looks like he's going to miss a substantial part of the season but i think then when he comes back if he is healthy you know wheels are up for chris godwin but lots of concerns when we see players who are definitely not fit for the start of the season and then we're talking about you know as if they just click into gear and in we get and they're going 100 that that's not really the case. Uh, then Tyler Lockett, Sky Moore, Robert Woods, who's coming back from injury, but his his return looks a lot more positive, a much earlier injury for him. Tolbert, who Michael Gallup's injury uh, may benefit as he returns from his injury. Julio Jones, who is not yet signed, but uh, also interested to see your thoughts on, on Julio's ADP. I think it should jump a little bit when he does sign with somebody. And then I think Gasicki and Everett is, you know, Pretty solid um for a two tight end build. I think when you're in that range, they're probably the last two options for taking that quarterback in the kind of tenth round and then taking the or tight end, sorry, and then taking that other tight end and Everett. I think if you miss out on Everett there, it's a very risky build and you have to go for a, a three tight end build probably after that. I think overall very solid, but what's your takeaway? Yeah, you mentioned the two QBs in the window.
2: You have that start with Jonathan Taylor, T. Higgins, AJ Brown. I mean, that's probably the perfect start for 2022 fantasy football, That is nice. Brees Hall, love getting him in there at the price. We discussed him as being a high-exposure player in the previous show. Ronald Jones, I mean, here's a guy who there's a strong possibility that he delivers fifth-round value. Also, you have a little possibility that he doesn't play at all. So (laughs) I I like that because, I mean, you don't necessarily care if you finish – you know, fifth instead of eighth or eighth instead of fifth. in, in this circumstance, so what you want to do is finish first and then finish in the top 15 of the overall contest. Ronald Jones gives you a great chance to do that. You mentioned Godwin. He's an interesting one because of the injury. I had the chance to do establish the edge with Mike Leone the other day. That was obviously a lot of fun. He's absolutely fantastic. We talked a little bit after the show about Godwin and how i'm not necessarily drafting him but if you're going to do a build like this where you have a lot of receivers and you expect these other guys to be healthy early in the season score a lot of points through that range then godwin can be that hammer again as you're trying to win the tournament all of these injured players are tricky are we getting the kind of discount on godwin that justifies that i'm not sure that we are although godwin is one of my very favorite players and so if there's a guy who could come back and score so many points during that stretch of the season that you care about the most i think it is him he's still like mildly undervalued as an nfl player even if due to the injury he's perhaps mildly overvalued specifically in fantasy for this year a tricky player a controversial player it's an interesting selection within the context of this team Lockett is tricky because I think that he's the one who is crushed the most by the quarterback situation in Seattle. I actually think that Noah Fant is going to handle it very well. He's played with terrible quarterbacks before, <laughs> including specifically Drew Lockett. <laughs> he's and, brilliant. Yeah. and, you know, just last season, we saw DK Metcalf look very good with Geno Smith. Now, a little bit of that is just fluky, right? But when you have Lockett and that vertical profile There are some concerns for me there. Obviously, the price is adjusted, and so he's not killing you from that perspective. Sky Moore, again, a very wide range of outcomes player. Woods, another one where I don't know in that particular offense if the injury discount is still enough to justify the price, but especially as we continue to have news that Traylon Burks is having a disastrous offseason. I mean, what's could be the clear-cut number one here? And in that case, it's going to be very hard not to deliver value at that spot. And then you have this nice mix of veterans and young potential breakout candidates late. I think Thornton is someone who should be drafted on a huge number of teams, especially if you have this kind of build where you're sticking with the five running backs. Julio Jones, as you mentioned, I mean, that ADP is going to jump. Regardless of where he signs, I mean, it would be almost impossible for him to go somewhere that he doesn't jump into the 13th or 14th round. There's a chance he could jump into the ninth or 10th round. And then you've got that from the 17th slot. My thought would be that it is an interesting mix here. Taylor and Hall might not be enough firepower to where you wanted to stop at five running backs. And then at tight end with Kosicki and Everett, I mean, that's based on where those guys are going you could easily make the case for a third running back in this build especially someone like a fant now you don't necessarily want Fant and Lockett together but there are so many compelling cheap tight ends that doing the three tight end i don't think is as limiting as it would be in some seasons because you get prices like fant and everett i mean everett's price i think is sort of hard to understand now Again, you go back to the fact that he hasn't actually been a great NFL player. That does matter. But the Chargers need some players to soak up targets. I mean, Keenan Allen on a little bit of a decline. Mike Williams. Yeah, he could be a superstar this year. He's being drafted as though he's going to be a superstar. He's always had a little bit of trouble demanding the volume of targets that would create a a dynamic where the number one and the number two have so much. It just... Even though there are some big questions about talent, Palmer and Everett, the overflow targets here in this offense with a Justin Herbert, I think you have to take some shots. So this is a cool lineup, definitely one we could see winning the whole thing. Gerald Everett, if he's the tight end five this season, you put that with these quarterbacks, with those starting running backs, with Higgins and Brown, Godwin, this is a pretty fun roster.
1: Yeah, and when we're looking at it as well, there's a couple, obviously we don't have the exact draft board, but we're tighter lockets, to be going now, isn't that far away from somebody like a TJ Hawkinson. I always like to look at the kind of, two V twos and the options to potentially move some of those picks around and how the team could potentially turn out. Maybe if we're taking a tight end, even where we take that Dak Prescott pick might give us a little bit more depth there. And you might get somebody like Matthew Stafford or Sean's favorite guy, Derek Carr, uh, a little bit later in the draft to, to fill it out, but really enjoyed the interaction that I had as well with in uh, replied back to the, the email to say, we might use it on the show. And he was saying that, you know, we enjoyed it, but the 30-second clock can put a, a little bit of pressure on you when you're trying to do it. And then I replied to say, yeah, it, it, we definitely heard in the podcast. Sometimes we we find that going. And for anyone that's listening to the draft that we did, uh, myself, Zachary Kruger and Josh Larkey up on the roto Overtime YouTube channel, um, that's exactly how we ended up with Baker Mayfield this, uh, this past week in our draft. We kind of ran out of time. Uh, so it, it can be a lot of fun in those The next roster comes in, and it is a dynasty roster. It comes in from Ryan Doan, and he says, Hi, Column and Sean. Thanks for the helpful show. I've received a lot of help from your insights as a new listener. Welcome aboard. Always great to have new people listening to the show. He said, could you please let me know if I should be confident in my team or be riskier? And this is a topic a lot of people struggle with is, I think my team's going to be good this year, but it is that case, and you touched on it with the best ball, but obviously with dynasty it's a little bit different but you do want to be the team who's seventh you know you want to be the team who's making the playoffs or making a run for it so i guess that's where he's thinking with the the riskier element he says we start two quarterbacks two wide receivers two running backs one tight end and one flex i'm looking at trading one of my young wide receivers for stefan diggs or tj hawkinson or some higher floor players such as mike evans or chris godwin i'm worried that i would be mean trading away my 101 since rbs are valuable uh, valued higher in my league, meaning losing out on Brees Hall. It feels too soon to trade Dobbins. The Jefferson owner is an active. That can happen in leagues, I guess. Um, the Chase owner is too sharp. The Pitts owner is another target, but reluctant. The Taylor owner will never trade him. The Lamb owner wants a running back. Overall, and, and those are scenarios that I'm sure a lot of people listening in will know that you know if you're playing in leagues where, unless you're playing in like, uh, some of the... Multi conference dynasty leagues that are out there where there's multiple copies of players. You are dealing specifically with what the person who has that rostered player is willing to do with them. Overall, I have a 2022nd first. He is the 109. He has also got the 205, the 209. He's planned to take in some running backs like Algier, Eli- Elijah Speller, Isaiah Speller, sorry, or rookies like Justin Ross and Skymore. Any help will be appreciated. So I'll give a quick run through the team. It's Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, Mitchell Trubisky. Then we have Brant Nayuk, T. Higgins, Rashad Bateman, Josh Palmer, Rondell Moore, Cedric Wilson, KJ Hamler, and then at running back, Dobbins, White, Singletary, AJ Brown, Justin Jackson, Samadji P. Ryan, and a tight end, Gasecki and Cole Komet. So, Sean, there's a number of things there we've talked about and the basketball element, but then when it comes to dynasty, it's going to be a little bit different. Um, A lot to unpack in that question from Ryan, but I think it's something that'll help a lot of people listening on how they should uh, be moving in their leagues. A couple of interesting things there is obviously we talked already about Godwin coming back from that injury. So he is a phenomenal player, but the injury is going to be a concern. And it feels like his fantasy value at the moment hasn't really decreased anything, even with the injury to be concerned. Mike Evans is somebody who's older um you know they're higher floor players but there is there is risk with those guys and you mentioned also being too soon to trade jk dobbins who you mentioned on previous episode that we did that he is one of your most drafted players so there's lots of fun things here to to dissect overall the the roster has plenty of you know top end talent but the depth then is uh i think i think it's interesting there is depth there but how are you feeling looking at it straight off the bat
2: Yeah, I just I I never like to get older. I think in a case like this, if he actually had a Mike Evans or a Chris Godwin, a Stefan would we'll be Diggs, trading them away. Yeah, I'd be moving him to try and get some of the players that he has. And so I I like the roster. It may still be a year away, but when you have Mahomes and Hurts at the QB position, you've got a lot of firepower there. We look at tight end where he's talking about getting a Hawkinson or a Pitts. I think if there's any way to get Pitts, you want to do that, right? So we never want to close that door. But with Gasicki and Cole Komet, there's a very real possibility that one of those two guys, if not both, emerge this season. And then you have a lot more trade value if, in fact, you want to flip them out for someone else. So you swap and you get a Hawkinson. But the cost to do that is minimal at that point because they've played so well this coming year. So from that perspective, you know, I think you might sit tight and see where you are. The position that kind of jumps out is maybe not having the firepower is running back where you have Dobbins, but you do have Singletarian and A.J. Dillon. And so either of those guys or both of those guys could be backups this year, but they are very talented. You might see how that plays out. I think I kind of want Brees Hall with this team because you add a Hall in there with Dobbins and Singletary and Dylan, and suddenly you have this very dynamic running back room in a league where you're starting two running backs and it may seem strange to say you know a two running back league but not all dynasty leagues at this point require you to start more than one at each position this wide receiver group is the one where there is some concern but I just I'm very excited about it I wouldn't want to move any of these guys because I think that the trade value is going to spike and then you've actually had to pay more than you would have you know four months from now you're talking about Ayuk, higgins bateman specifically as the stars those three players i think are going to all rise even though higgins expensive as it is then you have a little bit the more peripheral players in terms of palmer Moore, and kj hamler not all three likely to make a big jump palmer someone who probably Is not ever a starter for you, but there's the potential for him to have, and we just talked about this with Everett, there's the potential for him to have a spike game or two in the first six weeks. You're probably going to be able to move him at that point for a lot more than you can now. And so I think the patience is probably justified there. Rondell Moore, we're just such enthusiasts that we can't be unbiased, but I don't think you want to sell right now. Even if he doesn't do what we think he could do and become a star. He's going to establish himself as a part of this offense. You'll be able to get a little bit more. And then KJ Hamler again. I mean, Ben and I talked about this on the recent Stealing Bananas. He's so blocked that, I mean, realistically, is he going to do anything? We joked on our just previous OT show that he's 100% exposure guy. There's a lot of hope in that. But if you're going to hope on someone, you want it to be a player with the Hamler level talent, I mean, we're seeing enough puff pieces right now that if the opposing manager actually does want him and is willing to pay for him like Column or I might, then yeah, I think you could make that move because you want to diversify your risk. And if you can get out of the risk that Hambler doesn't score any points, which is a very significant risk, then you would do that. But unless he's going to pay at that level, then I think you would hold. I mean, you can use those upcoming picks... In a lot of ways, you have the 101, the 109, the 205, the 209. The 109 is a pick that you might be able to trade out of for a 2023 pick and kind of keep this machine going. Even the 205 and the 209 are picks where maybe you can move them if you don't have the right players. If you have a Brees Hall on your team, then you're not forced into taking running backs with those second round picks. I like Algier, I like Spiller but you want to get them as late as possible and there's less pressure on you to reach or to not take a trade that maybe it would be a very good trade in a vacuum. If you have hall in addition here, I think this is the kind of lineup that could dramatically surprise during the course of the season and be a championship contender, even if it looks too young right now. But I guess my thought would be, even if that doesn't pan out, I would want to have, one of the best teams in 2023 or 2024, as opposed to take on a veteran receiver where the first time that a digs or an Evans has a bad season. Now then number one, their team is going to be much more in doubt about what they can do going forward. That kind of thing hurts veteran receivers because the team makes other plans and you don't, have that locked in volume even though your name is Diggs or your name is evans if they actually are worse then that also contributes to not having the volume and definitely the trade value is going to be dramatically decreased so you have a lot of risk with those players you limit your window i would just keep building for not necessarily the long term but building for the big picture
1: yeah and when we look through you know you mentioned the 109 and potentially moving out for next year's pick but sometimes depending on how people are valuing players in your league that 109 could potentially get you a player who's in their you know second or third year in the nfl for example rashad bateman who is on this roster i'm very excited about but you know depending on the league you know he's somebody who may be able to be acquired for a pick like that so i might test out some of the owners as well maybe that they're not all in on a second or third year player and try and add them in to the roster but a nice roster overall i just the, the depth i think at wide receiver is the the one area but the top three guys in IU higgins and, and bateman they're extremely excited about those heading in to this season so thanks again to ryan for sitting on that team hopefully he has enjoyed that and hopefully you've listened enjoyed listening to us discuss it the last one for today comes in from benjamin and he is looking in so he says can't get enough of your content. So we always appreciate the the nice comments he said you've made my transition into dynasty much easier than if i had done it blind so Again, these this is what we do the show for Sean. We you know it's to give people the information that then they can, you know, do their own drafts, manage their own rosters, and it's great to get feedback like that. He says, When you all get a minute, I guess this is gonna be that minute, Sean. We're gonna talk about it. He said, Can you give me a little bit of feedback on his main dynasty draft? It's a ten team super flex, full PPR. He said, Any other moves he should be looking to make. So I have a couple of trade offers that we can run through after, but um, the team as a whole is Kirk Cousins, Antonio Gibson, Jonathan Taylor, Jamar Chase, Marquise Brown, Kyle Pitts, Cam Akers, Tua, San Francisco 49ers defense. So we'll skip over the defensive element up. We have Winston then as backup quarterback, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance also there, Deontay Foreman, Miles Sanders, Dearness Johnson, Zach Moss, Keyshawn Vaughn, Jalen Rager, Brandon Ayuk, Anthony Swartz, Elijah Moore, Julio Jones, Dawson Knox. And then when we look at the players that he has drafted this year, he took the 108, which was Jamison Williams, 206, David Bell, 209, Malik Willis, then Jalen Tolbert in the third, Tyler Beatty in the fourth, and Ty Chandler in the fifth. So overall, a depth, a lot of a deep roster uh, format here for them in this Dynasty League. Sean, that's the first part to start off with before we get into the trade offers, I guess we'll say. How are you feeling looking at that uh looking at that team overall as a roster? This is a fun team.
2: It's a deep team. You have the quarterbacks that you need for the super flex position. You have upside all across the board. When you have Jonathan
1: Taylor and Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts. I will hold up my hand. Some it's not easy to get that team, but sometimes te- a ten team league is easier to get that than a twelve or fourteen team league. But it's still hard to get it. <laughs> It's, it's absolutely fantastic. So
2: this is a great start. And we'll, we'll see Benjamin has made three trades here. And we'll see if they all kind of push him in the direction of a permanent
1: dynasty. Yeah. So when we look at it, we have uh, Kirk Cousins, 304, which ended up being Jalen Tolbert. And then the 2023 third. And he has sent Rashad Penny Kolkomet in a 2023 second. Looking at that, I don't think there's any way that we can say it. I, I don't think there's any way that we can say that he's really lost out there. I think he's he's done really well in the super flex format to do that. And we love Rashad Penny, but it feels like that is a, a good way to cash in on how that season ended. And then obviously with uh, Ken Walker getting drafted. The only hang up that I
2: have here is that I, I still struggle to be on the Kirk Cousins bandwagon. I've made a similar trade In one of my leagues recently where the rest of my team was fantastic and i didn't have a second quarterback and when you're talking about some of these deep super flex leagues even though that's a start 10 type of format and you're going to be able to overcome some limitations in qb scoring with the overall depth of your roster if you want to win the title and then you want to win the championship this one is a multi uh conference setup you want to win the whole thing, you're probably going to have to have a QB in the Superflex. And so I went out and picked up Kirk Cousins, even though I am not an enthusiast on this team. His quarterbacks are so strong. I don't know that he necessarily needed to make this deal right now in terms of the way he has it set up. The new bench is Jameis Winston, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance. Winston may be somebody that you can move at some point with another dynamic player in order to upgrade at quarterback wilson lance both of those guys are potential emerging players but really when you talk about the qb being involved the price is not debilitating by any stretch now in superflex that 2023 second that could end up being a pretty valuable pick and cole Komet is someone i prefer to acquire as opposed to sell right now the tight end two on this team is dawson knox and so if you have a team with both Pitts and Knox, you're going to be pretty willing to get rid of that tight end. If the opposing manager is someone who thinks Komet's going to have a breakout and is willing to pay like that, then you have to be willing to do it. This looks like a good trade here. It's still a little tricky for me. Cause I like those three other pieces that go the opposite direction. And <laughs> I'm a little bit of a skeptic on cousins and, and not necessarily for this season, even because there are so many things pointing to him taking a step forward and scoring a lot of points in 2022 and so if that's the case i mean benjamin's going to be able to trade back out of this pick and get even more than what he gave up so from that perspective i think you have to like this one too
1: yeah i think i think this trade makes sense but you know in terms of the actual trade itself i think though looking at the roster and how it is built i think it only really will make full sense if there's additional quarterback moves that he moves out. If you kind of hinted at it there, but you know, we have Kurt Cousins, uh, then we have James Winston, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, but we also have the draft pick of Malik Willis, who was taken this year. I, I you know, I, I'm all for depth of positions, but I don't think you need that much depth at the quarterback position. I think it's a lot to have wrapped up in it, especially if you have guys there that you do prefer. Let's say Trey Lance, for example. Um, I would be looking to move away from one or two of those guys so if you're getting Kirk Cousins in with the hope of moving one or two of those other quarterbacks I think it would make more sense at that point maybe when we get to week one to see how this roster looks do you agree with that Sean that you know we don't need five or six in terms of depth for super flex format
2: you don't but it does give you a lot of leverage and so I like it if you're not giving up a lot in terms of breaking down your overall roster construction and one of the things here is that there are so few you know throw in or end of the roster types of players on this team that it doesn't hurt you that much and so from that perspective the bench is deep enough that this is going to be fine and yeah you're just going to be able to trade out of these guys for more and so i i wouldn't worry about that element of it unless it's negatively impacting your actual starting lineup that's not the case here
1: okay and that's that's good feedback to get and then the other trade that was pulled off and i'm interested in this one because second year player who really showed out pretty well last year in Jalen Waddell was traded away for the 108 which turned into uh jameson williams and a 2023 second round pick tyreek hill obviously now with the the dolphins you did discuss that on Stealing bananas this week with Ben Gretsch and how that was going to potentially affect who we would be targeting in that offense. But this is an interesting one because Waddle could be one of those guys who really continues to ascend here. Yeah, I giving up Waddle is a lot. We're talking about someone who could be
2: a first round pick in all formats next season. I guess he's not the type of player I'm necessarily looking to diversify away from due to risk from Hill. Although there is at least a little bit of risk because Hill, you would expect to command a lot of target volume. Now, I'm guessing that this trade happened on the clock because in a lot of leagues, we haven't seen Jamison Williams make it to the 108. I think if you go by the rookie drafts that i was in you definitely would not have traded for the 108 before you got to this point and saw that williams was there with him there then it becomes kind of exciting because this is the player from this group where he could be an even bigger star than waddle and the lions look like an ascending team the quarterback play is still a little bit tricky where you're probably going to have jerry Goff this year then if he plays well maybe they stick with him and that If he plays well, then you got the good floor. But maybe the ceiling isn't there. If they go to a rookie, you always have the chance that that rookie is a bust, even if he comes in as a highly drafted player. So you're linking yourself to a receiver who had the one good year in college, had a serious injury, maybe isn't going to give you a lot of production in the first half of the season on a team where, I mean, this team looks like it's the best team. I have a hard time thinking that there are gonna to be too many competitive teams with this in the league. So you lose that production from that perspective. You're linking it with an uncertain QB per situation for at least the medium term, if not the long term. But yeah, I mean, it's it's still kind of exciting because you've got Jamison Williams and you get that twenty twenty-three second, which I'm assuming that one of the dynamics in this as well is that he's gambling that 2023 second will be pretty early in the draft in a super flex league an early second round pick especially in a class that is as good as we think 2023 is going to be that pick could be very valuable so that pick in and of itself could swing this in a big way in the direction of making the trade and giving up waddle
1: thanks to ben for sending in that roster as well i enjoyed in these shows if you enjoy listening in and you have a roster you want to submit you can send it to me on twitter uh, via dm or you can send it um to road gmail.com and we'll have a, a look through it and some of the upcoming shows we can't promise we'll always get through them all but we will we'll try our best to, to slot them in from time to time just a reminder as well we will have the contest for the scott fishbowl entry running for the duration of this week it will be closing up on friday i will be announcing the winner this coming Saturday so if you haven't got involved yet the information how to get involved is in the show notes of today's show be sure to get involved check that out and uh, good luck if you enter hopefully you will be the successful winner of that contest as always as a loyal podcast listener as well you can get yourself a 10% discount to Rotovis if you're signing up for a subscription use the code RBRADIO2022 at checkout it'll get you a 10% discount of all the content and tools up on the website, you can go to rotaviz.com forward slash podcast for more information. This has been an action-packed week for Rotoviz Overtime. We've had lots of other content up on Rotoviz Radio, including Stealing Bananas. We also have the flagship show. We have the Dynasty Tradecast. There's just so much show. Going on. I'm going to miss somebody out if I if I don't name it out. We had the, the best ball show um, with myself and Zach. I had a show with Connor O'Driscoll talking about the optimal builds for best ball. So, lots of stuff, just every day, multiple shows, lots to check out. Check it all out. Make sure you subscribe to all the podcasts. But that is going to get us to today's final part of the show. Four shows for you this week. Hopefully, you have enjoyed it. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at overtimarlin. My co host is Sean Siegel. Make sure you're checking out all of Sean's work on rodebiz.com. And until we're back on Tuesday, have a good one.